Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Claire O'Sullivan podcast. Um, today, I am joined by an amazing guest, um, the amazing Ailish Considine. And um, without further ado, I would like to say, Ailish, thank you so much for joining me here today and for giving up your time to chat to me. And I'd like to start by letting you introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and what you're all about. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, so my name is Ailish Constantine. Um, I'm from Clare. Um, I've played football in Camogie um, back since I was able to pick up a, a football or a hurley. Um, and since then, I have moved across the world to play and try and play AFLW. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to have won two premierships with Adelaide Crows. And I'm now at home at the moment enjoying a bit of an off-season in an Irish cold winter um so that's <laughs> that's the short story <laughs> wow um and being very modest there with saying a try to play I don't know if you'd have won two premierships if you were just trying to play um but I suppose Ailish I know you from football as well um back from the college days um so I've seen that you can do a lot more than try to play um <laughs> But I've probably never actually asked you like all about how you ever even got into football, got into Camogie. So as I, you said you've been playing for an awful long time. How did how did that all start? Um, so probably the earliest one of the earliest memories I have is my brother teaching me how to solo the ball while running around a washing basket at home in our in our back garden. <laughs> um, so it's probably one of my my earliest memories. So from from the get go, um, I've loved sport and loved football um especially football that was probably our our bread and butter being in West Clare was kind of that was where we started off and my brother was pretty good as well he would have played Clare Miners and um you know you always look up to your older brother and try to be like them and my cousins as well played for Clare um three of them played for the the um the Clare Ladies football team um while they were senior um in the late 90s and early 90s so you know, I always looked up to them and my sister, to be honest, uh, didn't have much coordination when she was younger. So I didn't really, I wasn't really able to play with her. I used to kick the ball and she just put her hands up to cover her face. But eventually she you knew that <laughs> turned into her catching the ball, which you hard to believe now. She's an Irish international rugby player. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's Are you taking credit for that. I'm taking a little bit of credit for that anyway. And I've told her enough times at this stage. Uh but between myself and my brother and my cousins, I think between us all, we kind of had an influence on her career eventually. Um, <laughs> but because we live in the country, I guess me and Emer, like we always played together and we just picked up whatever kind of sport we could pick up. So like we probably played everything under the sun. We pretended we were in Wimbledon. We were playing basketball. We were playing volleyball. We were doing athletics. We were, um, we had Hurley's, um, throwing around the place baseball bats everything everything we could get our hands on we we played and I think that you know filtered through throughout um throughout my career certainly and when we got we were lucky enough as well in our primary school there was a little bit of hurling um set up so that was kind of where we got our first introduction to that and and then we joined the Camogie team Canaley um and we're fortunate enough to to win pretty much 14, 16, minor, 21 and senior championships with them. And we'd been trying for years to win something with football, but never managed to do it until 2019. Wow. Um, we won our first and only senior championship for the club so far. So, wow. um, and we did, we, we were lucky as well to, to win a, a junior club All Ireland as well back in 2009. Um, so we had a little bit of 
of good luck um in our in our in our senior career with with Hill. but um and then I suppose college football so initially I was in IT today and that's where I kind of got a bit fitter and I kind of I was kind of always the cushy corner forward I was skillful but not very fit and when I went to Tralee, um, I guess they saw a little bit of potential in me at that stage as a um a pretty unfit 17, 16, 17 year old, but with plenty of skill. And and from there, I kind of I did a, a health and leisure um with adaptive physical activity in IT Tralee, and I think that fitness side of things I didn't know about before kind of helped me progress um you know physically and get a little bit fitter and and stronger and. Um, and then I've yeah, so progressed through football there and, and camogie obviously as well and at this stage I was probably playing senior camogie for Clare and um, and football for Clare so it was, was playing was playing both which was tough going <laughs> but it, you know very rewarding um, and then what else is then I suppose I did I did my ACL in 20, 2013 just when I finished up with IT Trilly which kind of kept me out for a year and then Shortly after that was when Fiona McHale was running us into the ground in UL. <laughs> post of post uh, and all as, that crap. As well, you can remember. Um, and to be Drums fair, I, I've, I've, a lot, I've a lot to order at this stage because she kind of got me back on track after you know, after an ACL injury. You know, it takes a while to get back up to full fitness. And yeah. um, so I played, that was our first, my first um, UL uh, year was 2014, 2015. And um, kind of got back into it then. And um we were lucky enough to win the Connor Cup, um, mm-hmm. which was pretty special. And um, I was in and out of UL then, and I played Ashburn in my final year. So we, I managed to win the Connor Cup and an Ashburn. So I was very, very lucky while with my time in UL. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I had like the the story just seems to go on and on with football and Kobe. But at this stage, I had just stuck to football. Um, was still playing away with Clare football at this time, and then. Um, I decided to pack my bags and go to New York for the summer in 2018 um, and played with um, Nafina, which was an incredible experience. My sister had gone traveling and we met each other in New York um, and we played for the summer and we won the New York championship, which was another great achievement and, wow. you know, burning, burning fun over there. And then shortly when I returned, I graduated in UL and then um, cross coders came out of the blue. It was... Uh, it was kind of a talent identification for for Aussie Rules, and they had kind of set up this um, this program to bring over Irish girls, international girls, over to Melbourne for trials. And initially, it was for one club, and then it got opened up to the entire AFL W um, clubs. And I think four or five uh, teams showed up and had a look, and Adelaide were one of the teams and they had a big presentation and Giants were there calling what I think showed up and there was a few Bulldogs were there too and a few more teams and I was literally going over for the holiday because you know yourself with football and camogie when you're playing you're playing all year round there's no break there's no real time to go on holidays or anything like that so I was like this is my one and only chance to see Australia so I was looking up to be picked to go first of all and then secondly Adelaide offered me a contract um I think three days into the trip, which was absolutely absurd. Um, wow. You know, I had zero expectations um, going over um, and the fact that Adelaide, you know, took a chance on me was pretty special. And I felt 
so right at the time. I didn't know anything about Adelaide. I didn't know where it was in the map. I didn't even, I had never heard of it before. Um, but it turns out, it, you know, it was a really, really nice place. And they even flew me over it during that trip to see the club, to meet some of the players, to meet the staff. Um, and I remember one of the first memories I have of, of the club was there's a player's wall where if you play for the club, if you play your first game, your name is on the wall forever. So you're whatever um, number player. And I was like, if I could only just get on that wall, if I play one single game, I'll be happy. Um, and then five seasons later, it's like, wow. wow. <laughs> it's like you kind of take for granted what you've gone through. And I think I was very fortunate in my first season, 2019, when I like, played the majority of the games um, and won a grand final. And my family flew over for the weekend to be there for it. And oh. yeah, it was an absolute whirlwind of a first season. And then came home, played Gaelic football for the time I was home and it was the first and then we won our first ever senior club football county championship which was you know dr- a dream come true we were 10 years trying to win that competition wow um and then yeah I got for- I was fortunate enough to be re-signed um for the next coming seasons and played in the 21 grand final um which we lost to Brisbane so um that was a- that was a tough day tough defeat but uh, we came back stronger the following season and we won the grand final in 22 and then the two and one seasons didn't probably particularly suit us too well and, and we ended up um, we got to the semi-finals I had a bit of a, a rough season in terms of injuries and um, so didn't manage to play too many games of the second 2022 season but here we are now and in the off season and that's up to date I think that's the kind of synopsis of from zero to to now wow so just hearing all that Eilish it sounds like uh you've won pretty much everything along the way at this stage now um but it's mad to think so you just like decided to go like for this trial initially in Ireland like had you any clue about like AWFL at that stage like when you were going for that trial or what it was all about not particularly I didn't really know what was ahead of me or what could be ahead of me um I think um I think Cora was the first person that I kind of like brought it to the public eye here and kind of made it um a bit more like oh like that's actually a genuine possibility to go over and play um so and I think that that documentary that was done on her as well I remember watching that shortly before um the trials and stuff had kind of kicked off I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. I was like, it looks hard, but it looks, you know, some like, you know, a dream come true. Imagine to go over and get paid to play. Like that's, you know, all you ever kind of dream of when you, when you play. So um, I didn't know too much about it. And um, we had played a little bit of club stuff here. Um, Mike Coran had kind of set up, um, he was head of AFL Ireland at the time. And he had kind of set up a few little like local tournaments in Dublin. Um, and we had, we had set up a team and um, but like it was just for fun it was the first introduction to AFL that we kind of had you know no one really expected that it would lead to you know the amount of Irish girls that have have gone over at this stage. Wow wow and like five seasons later like what like what was it like going from I guess playing football in Camogie all your life like I guess for the love of it to like becoming a professional sports person and that becoming your career then yeah like an absolute dream like obviously we love 
Gaelic football and come over here. Um, so like if you could get paid to play that, that would obviously be ideal. But I guess you're playing a slightly different sport, which is as close as you can get, which is amazing. But you kind of end up starting from scratch again because you're kind of, you know, it's kind of like when you, you're in sixth year of school and you leave and then you go and you're in first year in college like you you're at the top of your game and then you drop all the way down to the pecking order again because you you know you're starting something new and like you've so much to learn and so so many new skills to pick up and I think that's what it was like for for AFL like even to this to this day I'm still learning things that I you know about the game and how the game is played but um like what an opportunity I was like I, I would have been the most foolish person to turn down a contract or not to, you know, up and leave. And some people have said to me, you know, Jesus is very brave you to come out to go out to Adelaide somewhere you didn't know a single person and, you know, playing a new sport and going to a new country. And I was like, I'd be mad not to because the opportunity for women in sport isn't as highly available as it would be for men. And the opportunity to get paid to to be a professional sports person, it was always my dream anyway. So the fact that it actually was a possibility and it came true it was just yeah it, you know and I, I probably can't see how fortunate I am fully at this stage because I'm kind of still in it but I think when I look back in a couple of years time um yeah I just think that this is this is mad <laughs> wow wow it, it sounds like you are really grateful for the opportunity though and that like that you genuinely are seeing that and like you are recognizing how like how amazing it is to be able to get paid for playing and for doing what you love but I'm sure like it is like is that tough at the same time is there like is there more pressure now when it's your job rather than I guess like a hobby that you absolutely love yeah of course and I, I think um you really see the professional side of sports when it comes to the end of season or the start of season when it's contract time and it's, you know, you're kind of put, you're putting a pick in order because, you know, there's only a set amount of players can, that can get paid at the highest rate. And there's a set amount of players that are, that are paid at base rate. And, you know, there's, there's all these kind of extra things that, you know, you're not aware of with the GA because it's, you know, it's, it's not a thing where you're not paid to play. Um, and I guess there's pros to that too, that you like, you get treated so well, you get your meals, you get, you know, the high class training facilities and um, all the professionals between the S and C nutritionists that, you know, everything that, that goes with that, you get all of these extras um, because the money is there and, you know, the resources are there. But at, at the end of the day, the, the business side of things come, comes to it. And I've been in very difficult conversations with contract negotiations and, based on performances and how many games you've played and, you know, all these little things that, you know, are important in, in GAA, but, you know, it doesn't mean you can't play the following year. So I think there there is an added pressure with um, the professional side of things. And I think, especially as, as the Irish girls go over, um, there's a couple that are quite limited with visas. And I would fall into that category where we can only play and work for the footy club that you're associated with so it means you're quite limited um with an outside network so your focus really is footy and football and when you're there and so you feel the pressure and you feel like the Irish eye are, are just watching you um as, as Irish girls they're just really taking notice of how the Irish girls are doing rather than you know your team and you know you, you feel the pressure and you feel the pressure of comparison um a lot of the time and yeah certainly around 
around contract time, that's probably one of the, the hardest, um, the hardest times when you're out there. Okay. Wow. That, I guess that is like the side of it that you don't really think like, you know, maybe for like us in Ireland, like seeing you guys out there playing, like, I guess you see like the sports side of it and like maybe like the, the glamour of it and how cool it looks. Yeah. You're not thinking about the contracts and the pressure and all that side of things. And I guess like, like performance is analyzed to a whole other level when like there's money depending on it and things like that, which I'm sure is like, like a really tough thing that you're not really prepared for heading out as well. Yeah, of course. And like, even like for me, for I'm kind of a, a fringe ish player. So I'd be kind of, I play my role every week. So it's kind of hard to not put me in if I'm, if I'm not, you know, I'm not a superstar. I don't stand out. I I do exactly what they need me to do within, within the team. And that's what I've done for Adelaide in the past couple of seasons. Um, but like it's constant pressure. Every every time I go onto the training ground, I have to play unbelievable because I need to show that I can play my role, but I can also do this, this, and this. And um, and even in the off season, there's no let up because you know other people are training, you know other girls are training, you know other clubs are training. So you're constantly trying to keep up and get better and get fitter and faster and stronger. And it's it what it seems it probably does from the outside it seems like a really like enjoyable and don't get me wrong it is it's like I love what I do and like I'm so fortunate to be able to do it but it's it's constant work like like even even now we're in an off season and at the moment I'm you know doing three running sessions a week I'm gymming five times a week and this is my off season so while I'm in season it's um it's a lot more probably team orientated so it's probably a little bit easier to go and, and get it done but you fall in under the pressure of having to always perform and always be on top of your game. Whereas that's the one good thing about off season. You have a lot to do, but the, you kind of, the performance pressure and anxiety is not there. Yeah. So that's the one kind of good thing about training on your own and doing your own bits and pieces in the off season. Of course, of course. There's obviously the challenge of having to push yourself to do it on your own, but you don't yeah. have much, yeah. as much of the pressure and you're not on, under that spotlight as much, I guess. Yeah. How like how do you actually manage that pressure and that anxiety of having to perform all the time? Like, is there supports around that, or is that is that very much down to like you'd have to figure that out for yourself? There is a there is a great support network to be fair, and and within every club there there are people, plenty of people to talk to, and coaches are generally quite approachable if you are struggling with things. But, um, I don't know to be honest. I think I I think when it comes to that stage of pressure for a performance I think because I've been so used to it from football and camogie throughout my time here playing I think I've just gotten used to being at that pressure point where it's either you're all in or it's a flop and I think because I've been in that situation it's probably repetitive nature I've been in that situation so many times um you know for Tobin County that it you know, it probably just has transferred over and probably the fact that I was a little bit older going over and playing the sport probably meant that while I had performance anxiety, I was probably able to manage it and deal with it and get the better of it. I, I think a normal bit of pressure is um is there for most players. Um but yeah, I think I just about managed it. I seem to I seem to manage to put it out of the fire anytime I needed to. So it <laughs> kind of just about but again like you feel like you're always climbing like you're you never get to the 
in until you're in that grand final and you win or the, I kind of I think the relief point for me always was selection day and that kind of fell on a Wednesday or Thursday depending on what day the game was at the weekend um, so the Monday training session was especially in season it, it's really hard to prove yourself because the games are week after week and some days it can be a five day turnaround or a seven or eight day turnaround so there's not really much chance to try and make your way back into the squad if you're out because there's no real big hard training session where you can prove yourself so Monday's sessions were usually pretty light in recovery and Wednesday then would be short and sharp there'd be a bit of contact and a bit of um drills but it would be very short um, and then it'd be a captain's run so you just try to do something spectacular within that short space of time that you'd have on the Wednesday or just make sure that you do everything by the book and do everything right and then you just have to wait and hope because by that by Wednesday you've done everything you can do and you just have to wait and see and then that was the pressure point for me and once Wednesday night was over I could probably relax even though selection wasn't was hadn't been announced I could relax because I had given what what I could give that week to training and once I was in or out then that was the and then the games came at no pressure so once I was in the pressure was off like that for me that for whatever reason that was always the the hardest part of the week for me was am I in or am I out and and not that? the game we could have been we could have been playing any game and it didn't matter but it was just the selection hey then that was the relief but but say for those few days where, where it's like there's that pressure to perform and then it's like well I can only like you can only do so much within those few sessions like for you practice like for you in yourself like what's going on for those few days like is it like is it nerves is it fear like what's happening in your body at that time yeah but the Monday is fine because you know there's no pressure to do anything and you're recovering and whatever. But Tuesday is coming and you kind of have a relaxing day and then Wednesday, you know, it's training day. And it's it's a bit of fear. It's a bit of pressure. It's a bit of, oh God, like how is, how is tonight going to go? Um, and a bit of worry. Like you're, you're genuinely worried because you just kind of, you want to do everything right and you want to do everything you can to be in. Um, but I think once it comes to the training session then I think I stop thinking and that that's when I'm fine it's it's the lead up and the build up is always the worst part and then once you're there and kind of getting into it and like I'd always be there an hour or two early and do all the prep that needs to be done do all the extra stretching skills whatever and then by that stage then you're kind of just eased into it and then it kind of all starts and then it's like here we go again because it's very repetitive. It's the same structure, generally, most training sessions. Okay. okay. I would say, like, you've done five seasons out there now. So I suppose I have two questions for you. Have you gotten better at managing that pressure over the five seasons? And do you have any practical tips, we'll say, for anyone who can kind of, who can relate to that pressure around performance or, like, maybe, like, that pressure if they're trying to push for any personal goals you're trying to push for a running goal or anything like that um any practical tips on how to manage that so that you can maybe keep yourself feeling okay um in the lead up to that <laughs> session um 
Okay, I'll answer the first one. Um, have I gotten better um, at managing over the five years? Um, I think I have. And I think it's kind of come... First, first year was probably ignorance is bliss, if I'm being honest, because I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, because it was such a new game, um, I was going out there with very little knowledge of the game and of the skills and of what I needed to do and what I and I just didn't know like a lot of the gameplays so I kind of couldn't worry about it because I didn't know about it and that was fine but season two was where I really struggled because I was so aware of how much I didn't know um after playing the first season and that really got on top of me because I just felt like I couldn't get into the right positions. I couldn't read the play quick enough. I couldn't get my hands in the ball because I just wasn't um, reading it well enough. And I wasn't, um, you know, just thinking on the same wavelength as the Australian girls themselves on how they play the game. And I think that was probably one of the toughest seasons that I put down. And it was actually the season that got cut short by COVID as well. Um, luckily enough for us as a team, because we had a terrible season. Um <laughs> But uh, so that was a really tough season for me. Um, but I think season three and season four, um, I kind of probably, I had done a lot of background work in season two um, to try and learn and as much as I could. Um, and I think I watched a couple of games and a bit more in the off season. And I kind of got a bit more tuned as to how the game is played and, I think I bombarded myself with information initially and then once I just I kept working at it that I think that was the thing and I took the pressure off myself as well because I think that pressure comes on as well because your second year in your third year in you're like I should be better than this um you know I've played one season I've played two seasons I should be better like I've done all this training and it's that should part is like you know, it eats at you because you have come from an elite level of playing football at the highest level here and been pretty good at it. You know, you're making your county team for their football in Camogie and you're like, you think you should be better than you are. Um, and I completely wiped that clean for season four. Um, and I said, that's it. I was like, just no more pressure. It's like, just do what you can do because... I think I was putting so much pressure on myself to to know more and to be better and to have more of an impact um, in season two and season three. I just, I couldn't do anything right. I couldn't perform. I couldn't make it into the squad as much as I'd like to have. And then season four, I just lit the shackles off and just, I was like, I know the game well enough at this stage. They've re-signed me. So I obviously know something about the game. I was like, I'm fit enough. I'm fast enough. I'm strong enough. And I can kick and I can do all the skills that I need to do. I was like, it's just a matter of getting out of your head and just playing what's in front of you. And season, the year we won in the 22 grand final was probably the most games I had played um, in that season. And it was just a matter of, yeah, just going out there and do like having small focuses, but just playing and not thinking. And for me, that's kind of one of the main things is that if I'm thinking, um, too much in anything I play terribly but if I'm in my head that's it forget about it but if my if my head is empty that's when I play my best and that's why I love playing football here at home because 
you walk out onto the field and you don't have to think everything just comes naturally it's you don't have to think where you have to be where you have to go where the ball is going you just kind of know and I think um just getting out of my head a little bit in in AFL and just kind of going with my own instincts a little bit more definitely helped um now and obviously season five was injury um riddled so I didn't really get much game time so it was more rehab time but um so that's probably where I improved in the grand scheme of things. And I probably did that in football as well. I was probably a bit like that as a younger player, was in my head a lot. And then as I got older, it's not that you don't care. It's just that, well, in a sense, it is. You're like, I don't care about, in, in a way that you just, you relax yourself and you get out of your head and you just take the pressure off. And I think I finally did that in season four. Um, probably would have done it in season five too, but injured. Yeah. <laughs> um, it sounds like such a big learning curve there from what you've described. And I can imagine it must be so hard, like, be, like do you know when you've played football from such a young age and camogie from such a young age, I think you probably don't even know what you do know from that because like it is all natural. Yeah. Like I said, you're not thinking about where do I need to be? I can imagine it's a massive shock to the system to be surrounded by all these people who've been playing it for so long and just know where to be and you have to actually like consciously learn all that. I'd say that that's really overwhelming. Um, But it sounds like... um. Do, do you know whenever we're feeling anxious and worried about something what I always like say to my clients as well is like action always like cures anxiety so if we can like stop all the thinking about what could and what should happen and just take action on what we know take action on what we can do it tends to calm us and like allow us to be that bit more at ease and it sounds like that's what you did a little bit just got rid of the shoulds and did what you could yeah essentially that's and as a sports person, like if you have to think about going for that ball, you've already missed it. Um, it's and it like you obviously need to have a head about you when you play sport. Um, but it's the instinct that gets you ahead of your player. It gets you to the next ball. It gets you to into the right position for the next thing. And it you kind of you let your in- instinct go to the side a bit when you're learning something new because you feel. The imposter syndrome sinks in because you're like you're an Irish girl who has never played this sport. You're coming into um, you know, a group of girls that have played for a couple of years, have have grown up with the game, and like you feel like an imposter. So you 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 put you put away all of your instincts and you kind of try and conform with what they do and what they know. And at, at the end of the day, you know we're not all robots. We're not all meant to play the same way in sports same in life we're not all meant to be the same people and I think if you put yourself into a box to try and be like everyone else yeah it'll get you so far but it won't get you beyond that stage where you need to be or it won't let you flourish or it won't let you fulfill your potential and I think I probably boxed myself quite a lot in season two season three because I just wanted to be you know on the same wavelength as the rest of the girls and I kind of put my own like get a football flair to the side which is you know something it brings unpredictability to the game and the more unpredictable you are in a sense to an opposition the harder you are to play against because they don't know what you're going to do next they don't know what leg you're going to kick off they don't know what hand you're going to hand pass off like it's just it's so unpredictable and I think 
I probably thought that as a bad thing because I wasn't doing what the rest were doing. And mm-hmm. I think finally I was just kind of like, well, I'm just going to kick the way I'm going to kick it because I have, I have a typical Gaelic football outside of boot kick and I have transferred that over to the Aussie rules ball. And, you know, I didn't always get it right in the first couple of seasons, but I pretty much perfected it by season three, season four, season five. And, you know, you'd kind of notice people looking at you funny when you'd kick it and then, but it's just having that confidence to, you know, follow what you can do um a bit more and just back yourself a bit more in what you do um and bring your own flair to things um and that takes time and it takes courage and you know it's not going to happen overnight for anyone um but yeah like you said action just been brave enough to take that action over all the thoughts and um anxieties that go with it yeah I guess it, it just sounds like season four you're starting to lean into your strengths to your ind- individuality back yourself and trust yourself more and not put that pressure that maybe causes like performance anxiety on yourself as much and that that's allow it sounds like that's allowing you to enjoy things more and I guess like be a bit more free with what you're doing yeah for sure like while there was constant pressure still on season four like I, I reaped the rewards and that I managed to, to play the you know most of the games and, and play in the grand final and win it, the second one. So um a lot of hard work, but yeah, the bravery to just go with it and and yeah, relax a bit. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So obviously to be a professional sports person, you have to as well keep your health at the highest possible level keep your fitness at the highest possible le- level like really take care of yourself um what like what does that look like day to day now like how like if we we're to think like how do you manage your nutrition how do you manage your fitness how do you take care of yourself now um i'll start with the fitness side of things it's probably a little bit easier to knuckle down in terms of it's very structured um so at the moment i gym five times a week so i'd split it to upper lowers upper lowers and full body um so that's just kind of a general off-season program just kind of i'm personally working on hamstring and leg strength um as well as trying to increase overall body strength as well at the moment so it's quite a stringent program it's the the lower body stuff is is long and tedious but it's um yeah, I'm just working to re-strengthen everything down there because um, with two hamstring tears last season, um, you know, everything kind of just, it was kind of just a matter of trying to get it back up and running more so than actually getting it to peak performance. So, um, and in the sense of running, um, so I'm running three times a week, three different sessions, um, mostly speed endurance and endurance stuff. And then occasionally we'd just go for a steady state run at the weekend if, I feel up to it so that's kind of the training schedule at the moment and that doesn't really change throughout the year the only thing that'll change is the style of of um runs the style of of gyms and either turn into strength and power pushing closer to the season and the runs will become more short and sharp and there'll be maybe only one aerobic um capacity in the week rather than three (laughs) um so that's the training side of things. Um, and then um, nutrition-wise, it's pretty 
simple and boring, really, to be honest. Not much changes. It's kind of the same week in, week out. Um, if I'm being really honest, it's a lot of um chicken, rice, veg kind of style stuff, um, porridge, yogurts, protein, um peanut butter, like it's mostly just high protein foods, um, lean protein foods, um bit of a mix of carbohydrates and, and fats are kind of the lower lower ends of the scale. Um, mostly natural foods, whatever I can get my hands on. Um not a not a huge eater of um I don't usually I'm pretty strict with um chocolate and all that kind of thing. I, I generally I don't have it in, in my diet unless it's a special occasion. Um so I keep I keep it pretty clean in terms of, of eating um most of the time if you know if it's a, if it's a very special occasion, I might have something, but um, but yeah, on a general day to day, it's same old, same old. Um, and do you um do you have to like? Did it take motivation to do that, or is that just like like in terms of nutrition, in terms of training, or is that yeah. just absolute given? Now you don't question it, and it's just done. Like, how do you manage to do that all year round, all the time? Yeah. Um, now for me it's a given I think probably where it first really kind of hit home was when I went to UL um, when we started there because that was kind of the first introduction we had to like nutrition side of things and you know having extra gym sessions throughout the week even during season and stuff I think um, back in the day like when you started gym programs it was very generic it was only the off season and then you'd never see a gym until (laughs) the next pre-season so that's kind of what was ahead of the curve in our time when we were growing up so I think when the change of 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 that kind of style where you actually gymmed all year round and and nutrition became a far more um you know valuable tool as as a as an athlete I think yeah certainly my time in UL um and I think I was part of a study as well where we had to weigh our food for a week. And I think that really opened my eyes to, um, you know, portion sizes. And, and like, you know, you're all aware of, of how much protein you should be having and, and, you know, carbohydrates and stuff and calories, all that kind of thing. But I think actually physically seeing it there in front of you. And I think that kind of triggered something in me. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't always as fit and healthy as I am now. Um, so I would have been quite a lot heavier as a younger child adolescent teenager um so I would have always struggled with my weight and um my diet quite a lot um so I think parts of that has probably motivated me as well to constantly keep on top of it and and keep it on track and you know you go through phases where you know sometimes it's not as good as you want it to be and that happens every now and again in an off season but I think it's just a matter of picking it back up and having the reset button and just going again. And and I think when I come home, I find it very easy to get back into that routine of train, train, train and keep diet pretty um, efficient and and easy. And because probably partially there's no place to really go to get takeaway or (laughs) like, you know, there's no nice Thai places close by. I live in the middle of the country. Um, so that's that makes it easier you know there's less temptation around that too and um, whereas when you're in Adelaide you're you know you're around the corner from a Mexican or you know anything that is healthy but you know at the end of the day take away um, so 
yeah I think I just I probably am internally motivated and it's um I think COVID was probably where I really was like yeah I'm totally fine to train on my own I could train on my own all the time and um I think I just I think physical activity has always been an outlet for me anyway um so I think even if it's off season and I'm doing it on my own I think it's probably slightly therapeutic to just be able to go out and go for a run or and I actually love the gym like I love going to the gym working out so probably a good thing with the line of work that I'm in <laughs> but um but yeah I just I I actually do just love being active all the time um and then yeah the diet is probably the hardest thing at times to um to follow but um yeah I think the, the internal motivation to kind of keep on track and, and keep hitting goals is is what keeps me going why do you think you love being active so much what does it give you um I don't I don't know really I don't know is the endorphins kicking in or or what it is but I, I think it just it feels like I've probably achieved something in the day and I think when I especially when I have a couple of weeks of consistency uh, under the zone I think I just feel better physically and mentally it's just I know that I'm ticking boxes and I know that I'm making progress um in what I'm doing and you kind of you all you're kind of looking at your garment all the time and it's kind of you see things that are rising like fitness levels and heart rate declining and all these kind of things and you're like yeah this is good and this I'm definitely going in the right direction and and then in the gym you're like you're hitting pbs and you're getting more pull-ups and you're lifting heavier weights and um so I think you know all those little wins that you get from from working out and just just being able to have that time I suppose to yourself um probably in a busy household at the moment so getting exercise <laughs> in is just um you know your own little bubble and your own little time and it's probably especially now where, where when I'm in off season you know there's no pressure it's it's go get it done and then enjoy the, the rest of the day and sometimes if it's a big session I might get to enjoy something a bit nicer for food <laughs> Um, it sounds like it's just become such a part of your life now and I think a lot of people who will say like would love to be like that would love to be exercising all the time I think like until you actually really make it a habit you don't realize like what it feels like then that like I'd imagine for you Eilish like you don't feel right if you're not doing it like if you're missing sessions and you're not consistent with things like you're not going to feel like you're I suppose meeting the standards that you've set for yourself but I think that comes down to making it a habit and just making it a part of your life over time yeah like the hardest part for me right now is to actually take a break um and we're always forced to take a break at the end of the season um we're forced to be like do not do anything for two three weeks minimum and like they won't give us any programs they won't give us any running stuff to do nothing I get itchy feet after five days I, I honestly can't I can't not do something for more than a week and you'll always see me out for a run within four or five days of season ending because or even a day after depending on the results it's um I just can't it's it's just ingrained in me now and and that's probably the next phase of where I'm at to try and you know probably get a bit better at is actually taking deloads and taking breaks because I'm probably at a stage now where I'm probably hitting a, a phase of training where I need to deload and every part of my brain and my body is telling me that you need to take a deload but you know there's just that part of it that says no no but there's another like 
few weeks left in this block, so we'll finish it out. But I guess that's the part that I have to get better at to kind of just take take a back seat sometimes, which is a fun, it's a funny place to be in where I actually have to tell myself to stop exercising because I don't need to take a break. Um, whereas I'm sure some people are like, well, I, I need someone to tell me to start because I haven't started at all. So it's, yeah, it's, it's different, different phases of training. Yeah, yeah. Do you have... Is there anything that you do in life now, like to, we'll say, to help manage like your mindset and to help manage your thinking? Um, it sounds like exercise is a big like release for you, but do you do anything else like, let's say, to calm the mind and to help slow yourself down if you have a lot of thoughts racing around the place? It's it's probably still a form of exercise. If I was going for a walk, bringing the dogs for a walk, or just getting going to the ocean because we're, we're lucky to actually be very close to to the sea here where we are um just going like going for a coffee like going to a cafe not necessarily having to do anything just sitting down and just having a coffee and having a some sort of a book with you um that's generally it i don't i don't really i don't i'm not a big tv watcher um so it generally ends up being either listening to an audiobook, reading a book, going for a drive, um, going to a cafe, getting coffee, going to the beach. They're kind of the things that amazing. Probably calm me most. Amazing. Amazing. Um so what are you currently working towards now? What does like we'll say the next few months or the next year look like for you? So the the major plan is to try and get back to Australia and get in with another team. Um because with Adelaide last season, the injuries just proved to be um, detrimental to re-signing with them. So unfortunately, he didn't get another contract. So the kind of aim is for the next couple of months is to to train as much as possible and get fitter, stronger, whatever I need to do so that if it comes that I'm ready, because that's that's one thing you can't do is make up for last time in terms of fitness and strength. So um. So the next couple of months kind of look like just just training as much as I can and getting a bit better um with that and and hopefully sign with another with another club and then that that'll take care of the rest of the year if I do if I am fortunate enough to sign um you know with the club so because that will start in April or May um, and then right up until Christmas and then probably home for Christmas we'll see. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So that's why the hard work has been putting in now to <laughs> yes. be in a really good place. Uh, I yeah. have one final question that we like to close the podcast on, Eilish, um, something that I ask everybody. Um, so just over the course of your life so far, with everything that you've learned, with all the highs and the lows and the tough points, um, if you were to look back now, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Um, probably uh, to not be so hard on myself. That's probably one of the major pieces of, of advice I would have for myself throughout all of my career in football and Kamori and AFLW and everything else in between. Probably super hard on myself and put a lot of pressure on. So that's probably one bit of advice I, I would give myself. When did you come to that realisation? <laughs> probably when I was overthinking AFL a lot <laughs> um, and putting so much pressure on myself to be to be more um, quicker um, so I think and yeah probably 
the realization of how I played in season four then in comparison to the rest you know when I took that pressure off a little bit I can't say I took it off fully um but I definitely you know took the foot off the gas a little bit but um yeah like I know that I like internal pressure I can't perform but external pressure I'll always perform so and there's always external pressure because you know games are important trainings are important and there's always people watching and and you know and waiting for results but it's the internal pressure that you know can pull you down so been a bit kinder to yourself and not putting so much pressure on yourself because there's plenty external pressure there already I love that I think that's amazing advice and I think that's something that so many people do in all areas of life so I think if we can all start to apply that a little bit more think that'll be amazing and hopefully you saying that to me and to us here today might even help you reflect it back more to yourself as well because um, everything that you've achieved in your career is just incredible um so I wish you all of the very best of luck with everything going forward and thank you so much for being so generous with your time and for joining us on the podcast today no problem at all thanks for having me